Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Elm City Lit Fest podcast. The Elm City Lit Fest is an annual celebration of literature and literary arts and literary artists of the African diaspora. We will have a festival September 26th and 27th. I'm Ife Michelle Gardine. I am the founder of the festival. And we have Emily Mayo and Shaw McAllister, who are my co-coordinators. This is the Elm City Lit team, and we are lit. And Emily and Shaw have a lit show tonight. They're going to they're going to discuss and talk with um, three dynamic women from this state we call Disconnecticut. Okay. Because these sisters are keeping us connected and you're in for a treat, a real treat. So I'm going to hand it over to Emily and Shaw and enjoy your evening. Hey, y'all. Thank you, Miss Eve. Have a great night. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, Eve. Yes, yes. Happy Sunday to you. So good to see you. Um, so excited for tonight because we're ha we have three beautiful black female spoken word artists. Um, so we're going to introduce them. We're going to bring them on the screen and then they'll actually introduce themselves. So um, I'm happy to introduce Tumani Rain. We have Sun Queen and we have Dime Ellis. What's up, y'all? Thank you, ladies, for joining us. Yes. How are you? Beautiful melanin. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought I would go around just have everyone introduce themselves um, and say just a little bit about when you started writing. And then if you feel comfortable to read uh, a piece of yours, uh, anything you want. Um, so can we start with Tamani? Possibly not because we're having technical difficulties because of the storm. <laughs> yes, our sis lives in Waterbury and Waterbury yeah. got hit hard. The valley, there are still people without power. So check yeah. on your folks. If you could deliver a candle, a board game, it could really make a difference for some ice. Help some people out. <laughs> Tamani, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Tamani Rain, y'all. Peace, peace. Thank you so much again for having me. Thank you so much again for having me. Um, I'm a poet out of Waterbury, Connecticut, spoken word artist. I do a couple of different things as well as dancing and um, I, I do creative writing, so short stories, monologues and whatnot, uh, martial arts. I, I'm a little basket of activity, but um, my passion is really writing. So. Um, I would absolutely love to share a poem for you guys. Um, 
with everything that's been going on recently in the world, this is a poem that I wrote not too long ago before um, the tragedy of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and whatnot. So I decided that I was going to do this piece um, that I call Ancestrines. Bear with me because I'm not the best singer, but I think singing is one of the most amazing ways to get a word out, you know? Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me and I'm feeling like history is on repeat. And living in this ozone is killing me. Chemicals cause climate change. These feathers can't bear the weather. Fly south in summer, winter stays upon us, man. I'm gonna need a corona. Hold the virus. The evils dance in daylight, dark skin disappears in the night when black rights faces blues, left field feelings fiercely battered and bruised, boots press chest to cement as they force me to submit to charges planted in my pocket just because I didn't make a three second stop, man. History is on repeat. It's insane how we're stuck between pleading guilty to lower our sentence or being one less percent on the U.S. census. See, since you, I never thought it made sense. Why were they counting diversity? Then I seen population control immersing into my ghetto, lacing medical marijuana with doses of fentanyl, fitting all this pain from ancient ancestrains that cycle modern day Jim Crow states. Do it for the gram and hitting the oh whoa, cause shucking and jiving it in style no more. Stuck in this historic cycle, shackled in gold chain stays, strapped in the mind state that a Jesus piece doesn't change your worship of a European entity. Material slavery masked as money mentality, more like lack of morality, stuck in stereotypes, dividing our psych into the common denominator and moderated complacency. I refuse to face my people's retreat as if we are not living gods and the prophecies of Sankofa, reviving our roots, taking back our truth. We were not made in an image. We're original depictions, pieces of the creator, able to create live revolution, supremacy demolition, but Historic redundancy keeps we staying stagnant with peace walks and riots, waiting in rainy ruminations, ringing round realities run rancid, racing through time, taking tolls, totaling to toe tags, tax from fear, fiercely firing from trigger happy frenzies, making as an alternative affirmation, ascending as nine acidic answers, spending contradicting common sense, confused as consciousness, causing continuation of cancerous communications that keep creating criminal conducted from concoct relations that can't compute to rational. Mishaps modified as misconstruing miscellaneous misconduct. Mm -mm. More so immortals imagining immortal insanity, encrypting insecurity of our being, entrapped in intentionally changeable incentives, exchanging increments of ensnared descriptive descriptions, subliminally instilling the Willie Lynch system through 
cycles of incarceration, police brutality, radio, hot 93.7. We wrap ourselves to heaven, wonder how much money you got, a lot. How many problems you got, a lot. How many niggas been shot? Too fucking many. The historic redundancy, food for thought, where fed on the news is strange fruits contained with cyanide seeds, slow poisoning, dreams that these minimal compromises equate to being free. And birds flying high, how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a night for me, it's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. But I'm still feeling like history is on repeat. Thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you, thank you so much. Son, can you introduce yourself? Yes, I'm going, I'm off mute now. <laughs> Peace, everyone. I am Sun. I am a native of New Haven. I am the co-founder of Black Lives Matter New Haven. I am a published author and a poet and an organizer here. Um, I use my poetry, my voice to uplift Black women, to address racism, oppression, um, all the injustices and Everything that we face with um, being Black women, being Black people in America. Um, I've been writing since, I believe the second grade um, is when I first entered like my first writing contest. Um, contest. So I've been writing ever since then. Um, so I'll share um, this piece, Being Black in America. I just um, love this piece and the end of it is definitely to uplift Black women. And that's what my voice is for, so. America will have you thinking like, why did you make me Black? The boys in blue aren't here to protect me or you. Your wound will be violated and it's okay. So be silent because no one will believe you. Your story, it won't matter. You know why? Because you are Black. Dear magical creator, why did you make me black? They want my skin in the background and most of the days underneath the ground. I can't lead because of the color of my skin. All eyes on me, but funny thing is I'm invisible in society. Then again, my skin is black. How far can I get in the world of injustice, oppressions, and white supremacy? What in the world is going on? Is it because the color of my skin? Is it because you made me black? Did you mean to create my life? Do you want it back? Financial wealth don't seem like it's coming my way and justice isn't looking for me. System plotting against me all because the color of my skin, catching cases. Would it have been better if you made me in a different image, a lighter pigment, tears in my eyes from dehumanizing interactions, microaggressions, and all that other? What did you do to me? I'm not free. Why did you make me black? Am I 
the enemy. Because I'm black, I can be killed for a broken tail light or found dead in my jail cell, murdered with my hands up, or shot in the car after singing love songs with my boyfriend. You heard me ask you not to shoot, my hands were up. No due process, all because of the color of my skin. And again, I asked, and again, I asked, why did you make me black? It's unacceptable. My blackness makes me a savage or a thief, so they think. My human rights don't exist because of the color of my skin. I'm a black girl, they expect my dreams to die. Here I am black, there's a war on me. Black girl, black woman, understand this. You were made black without apology. You were made black because you are powerful. You have a connection with the earth. You are the closest to the sun. You are magical. You are magnificent. There isn't anything that you will let break you. Everything that's thrown in your path will only strengthen you. You are truth. You are wisdom. You are light. So shine black girl, shine black woman. I made you black because you are art. You are life. No one grinds like you. No one is resilient like you. So black girl, black woman, stand up and fight back. Know that you can start a fire and put it out. You are a first aid kit. You save lives. No one has shoulders like you. You are a deity, a goddess, an empress, a queen. Why did I make you black? I made you black for the world to get baptized in your frequencies. You enlighten souls. Save the world, black girl, because the world needs you. Peace. Wow. Wow. I'm going to take a deep breath. And thank you so much. Captivating. Captivating. Dime, please. Hello. Hi, everyone. My name is Dime. I use they, them pronouns. I am a Black non binary artist living in New Haven. I'm from New Haven. And um, I've been writing since I could hold a pen. And every time people ask how long I've been writing, that's exactly what I tell them. I used to write like chapter stories inside of composition books. So I'd be doodling in my uh, uh, notebooks throughout school instead of taking notes, I would just like write stories. Uh, and so I, just realized that I can read something, um, some creative writing, because I used to, I haven't been writing as much like stories lately. I still do, but not as much as I like. Um, but I'll also be reading some new poetry that I've written recently. First, I wanted to show some of my recent work as well. I do visual art and like, this is something that I did in my sketchbook. Uh, oh my God, it's like mirrored. So it's actually opposite to how I'm holding it, how you guys are seeing it. But I basically was upset when I was at the park and I threw, um, I like kicked the trash can. And um, I decided to like 
draw the silhouettes of all the things that had fallen out of the trash can, the trash can itself, and write some of the frustrating thoughts that were in my head um, before I kicked the trash can inside of the silhouettes. Um, and I really love playing with words in that way. And like, I started to write my uh, graffiti, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to write my poetry and graffiti around the city. Uh, so y'all might see that on like bus stations, but sometimes they'd be cleaning it. So here's a little something else I did. I like to play with words in general. So this right here, I think it's a quote from Christopher Columbus's, uh, one of his journal entries about um, the Native American people that he encountered. And it was on some fuck shit, of course. And at the time that I did this, they were like taking down the statue in Wooster Square. And I was like really frustrated to hear that some people really was acting out at that, uh, at that function, that some people really got out of pocket. Um, and then just some other doodles that I have. But I really like to write. Like writing has even become part of my visual art. And so I'm gonna read y'all a little excerpt from a story and then I'll get into two poems that I've written recently. They're all pretty short. Um, so this first one doesn't have a name, uh, but I'm gonna just start reading. The lady with the Ankh tattoo cut into the hoard like a crack of lightning, splitting the gray with a string of crooked light and a sound as deafening of a roar as God. She charged into the crowd with her brown fist raised to the heavens as she shouted the words, no justice, no peace. And the crowd followed up with an even louder voice as they finished her incantation. No racist police, no justice, no peace, no racist police. Their chant echoed through the hood, putting some locals under a spell that compelled them into the street. She, they joined the crowd and quickly learned to revere the lady with the Ankh tattoo as the leader of what the news had dubbed a revolution. I'll stop there, because um, the story's pretty long. And with that, I wanna jump into a poem that I recently wrote when reading um, Black Girls Are Magic, which is a poetic, it's a poetry book, um, but it's an anthology of uh, dozens of black women who submitted poetry to this one book. It's a Breakbeat Poets um, publication. And the name of the poem that I'm responding to is Sway, which I also named this poem Sway. Sway, dear Ebony Stewart, the first line is dear black girl, but you wrote the rest of the poem in second person. I'm not girl, I don't sway. I am the wind, the invisible force of nature that make the very definition of girl sway. The same way smoke dances in chambers, I am the silent music the lick of seven breaths ago, West African hymns that make a truce with the Atlantic. Now each ripple reaching for the next, passing a prayer onto them, sorry, until they, them, their verses. Sea ball from breath to wind, 
to wind to wind, sea ball into a hurricane, make everything sway, that lie naked in bed with me. And um, I'm gonna finish off with this poem called Femme Anxieties, um, which is a little more like a, <laughs> it's a little more rambunctious. <sighs> Am I just not allowed to be who I wish in public, in private with other eyes, mirrors looking at me, my reflection, a suffocation? I dress this way for me. I am aware of the consequence, gawked at and harassed if I'm lucky. No one will rip me out of my comfort zone and I can continue to choose tight shoulders and flexed pelvis for femininity, a fair trade indeed, to be sexy and wish for no assault. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. I'm terrified of what he might do to me if no one is around, if I give him a chance. It will be my last. I know it for one fifth of a fact, not friend, maybe foe. Definitely fuck. Definitely these niggas wanna fuck me. They don't care how they get it. They don't care if it's withdrawn with yeses or noes. They wanna fuck so bad they just gonna and I dress this way, pretend this way anyway. Try not to paint in my eyes, only in my gut where it's safe. Go wallow and marinate. Solar plexus all dim, don't want them to see me too sexy. Only comfortable dressing this confident, not acting it, not being it, not being it, not being it. He was right, but don't write his name. Pain might attack your eyes. CB, correct bastard, right. They only want my ass. I'm too busy looking at the ground to notice. Oops. Sensitive terms for sensitive ears. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Images of my bodies. Blood, gut, lower gut, too low gut. No more now, organ, kids. I can feel it in mine. Thank you. That poem is not finished either. I forgot to say that before, but I wanted to bring like, I was recently having a conversation with someone about um, how art is like a child. Like you create it, but then it takes on a life of its own. And so I kind of wanted to carry that like energy of uh, art still being in the process of becoming itself. Yeah. And I think that poem really speaks to real life. I'm sorry, Tamani. Oh, I just said I loved how raw it was. Like I'm, I'm a fan of very raw poetry that's uh, very unapologetic and raw. I have a poem that's kind of similar. Thank you. And I think it gave, you, you took us, I think every woman here has had that experience where you, you have on your clothing, you have on your good fit. And it's like, you're battling, trying to be this, be the feeling that you have on, but still having to deal with outside entities, men, or you never know who's around, but whoever that perpetrator is, but having, not being able to fully walk in your agency without having to worry or have something on your mind. That kind of ties into um, 
this question I have for Sun, because we here at Elm City Lit, we buy the books from our poets if they are selling it. And if you haven't got your copy of It Happened with the Sun, please check out sunqueenwrites.com. I'm hearing that it is on sale for $12.99. Get your copy. She accepts cash, app cash. Um, but you have a poem, Sun, called Appreciate the Struggle. And mm. I wanted to ask you about it because I, the struggle, you know, it, it definitely is a painful time. It's a very hurtful time, but it builds resilience. So what made you ex write this poem? What, what were you pulling from that you wanted to get out for your readers? You just explained it. <laughs> um, yes, appreciate the struggle. So that came out of pain, um, experience, trauma, um, so as I continue to grow and elevate um, through this journey in life, I realized that there are definitely times where we believe that we're not going to see a better side, a greater side. Um, we may not feel differently after um, we've been sitting in depression and stress and all of these different things that doesn't sit right with us and make us, you know, feel good. However, this piece came from, you know what? Even though this may be trying and hurtful, it has a purpose. And so I sat with that and said, you know what? The struggle is hard. Fighting racism and injustice and, you know, um, housing crisis and all these different things that we face. I'm going to look at this differently and it has to be beauty in it because I'm going to be resilient. I'm going to rise. I'm going to facilitate my healing process. Um, I'm going to change the state that I'm in. And so just because we go through things does not mean that's the state that we're always going to be in. And so we have to change our thoughts and our behaviors and you know our actions our mindsets and know that the struggle has its purpose and to appreciate it because you're definitely going to learn something that's going to assist you in your beautiful journey and you have a line that says your struggle will guide your destiny and I think that's true. I think in during our struggles, we reflect on that time. Even when things are gravy, we think about everything that we've gone through and what's brought us to that point. And I right. think it causes us to appreciate that blessing, that success once we get it. And that resilience builds that that um, that thick skin. Mm -hmm. And I think as black people, we have to have this thick skin. In your poem earlier, you spoke about it's it's a responsibility being black. It can sometimes take the, it's never a burden, but it is a heavy cross to carry. And it's one that can't be put down. Yes. So I appreciate it. It spoke to me. I think it speaks to this time as well. We are all currently in a struggle. However, mm -hmm. the pandemic has 
hit you, however racial injustice has hit you, because it's hitting all of us, mm -hmm. whether you see it or not. And I think it's, what do you, what, what would you have learned when this is all over? When this storm ends, what oh. did you, what did you come out of it? Wow. Did you just sit in the house? Were you just in quarantine? Did, what did you learn? Or did you waste six months, essentially? Um, it, yeah, <laughs> I am still like processing this pandemic, quarantine. Um, we, a couple of organizers and activists, you know, we were encampment. We still are out here on the front lines, um, you know, dealing, dealing um, with everyday life. Like working from home is a struggle. For me, I'm usually um, on site at the hospital. So working from home has been a battle for me. Um, I've been able to save more. <laughs> um, I've, I've been sitting with defining what community is for me, what that looks like, what that feels like. Um, so I've just been really sitting with different things and being able to reflect. Um, definitely focusing on healing and um, being able to do a lot of um, restorative work within myself so that I'm able to then take those um, different tools and techniques and mechanisms to the community. So, you know, then we all can begin to heal um, collectively because while this is healing is an individual journey, it's definitely a journey that we have to take together so we can heal together and work together and get things accomplished together. Thank you for that. Yeah, that that really that really hits me hard because I am at the point in the pandemic and with I've been I've started calling it the racial the racial injustice pandemic. Um, how I want to come out on the other side of it because I can't come out the other side the same person and I'm I'm already feeling that shift. Um, so yeah, no, I need to. I think we all need to keep going, just questioning and just yeah, finding, we, the, finding the way to, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, I don't think like anybody's coming out the same, like what is the same anyway? We don't even want, you know, what was before, like, there it's been so many entrepreneurs um you know coming out of this and people focusing on their talents and you know embracing that embarking on different things and like even though it's a hard and critical crucial time it's definitely a time to do those things to sis don't wait to start that business start it now write that book now like step into your higher self now like and these are the messages that i think that the pandemic like this storm and it's like oh my goodness like another thing but we've been hit we've been getting hit hard but that's because we are coming out stronger we're going to learn some things and it's it's going to be powerful after this yeah it's now or never word that's right um, we'll shift to Tamani. 
Um, I first learned about your work from Instagram. So thank you, TV. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it was um, since we were on this eBay, share the video. Yes. Um, yeah, that was that was a piece that you know knocked me over a little bit because you know that that those these words this is the time we're living in like everything is on video everything that is sweet and funny and joyful and painful and literally fatal is on video and we is share on video. it yeah and we share it with each other and just go, do you believe this is happening? Hopefully people are seeing some things and going, I'm going to make a change like we were just talking about, but can you talk about a little bit um, about how that piece came together? Yes. So um, that piece is actually really interesting that you say that because that piece was very impulsively written. Um, out of like, actually I was like upset because I had a conversation with um, somebody. Um, somebody posted um, their opinion, an opinion um, on Instagram that we shouldn't be sharing the videos at all. That if you see any form of black death, any form of, um, you know, lynching or something against our culture, specifically involving black death though, that we shouldn't um, share the video. And the way I looked at it was in a sense of, um, obviously if you're in the position to help if you're in a position to change the outcome of the situation of course don't take out your phone do some actual active work but um if we aren't aware of these things happening um if we aren't aware of these things happening those videos are the only proof that we have the point that i made to her specifically was with ahmaud aubrey unfortunately the man who recorded the video was also an accomplice to the crime so with that being said it's like not all of the time are we in the position to change so yes we have to share the video we have to make sure that that message gets out we have to make sure that we have our proof because without that proof it's it's like we're always going to be considered the ones playing the black card or they can make any narrative they want of whatever happened to said person. Um, for example, again, with the Ahmaud Aubrey situation, they were going to um, basically label him as a burglar and said that his killers were um, using self-defense because of a home invasion when the house that the address to the house had nothing to do with the murderers as well as them being nowhere near the house when it happened and then obviously we saw the video uh i think as well with that narrative we have to remind ourselves that as even when we do share the the gruesome stuff the gruesome videos the um pain uh, we also have to share the joy we have to make sure where there's a balance we have to make sure that there isn't just pain and you know a lot of people make make comments about black twitter and how they make a how we make jokes about things but you know 
those are our way our ways of dealing with it and our ways of coping so again with along with share the video the message that i also give is you know share the beauty along with the pain but don't forget to make everybody aware of what's really going on in the world yeah i had um um i was talking with someone the other day who was saying you know can't can't be in the movement without finding the joy um and as painful as some of this is as all of this is um we're still people who find joy um you know there's there's joy and laughter out there and it may not seem like it at the time, but it is. And just going back to, you know, Ahmad Avery and, you know, so many others who we've lost, it's, uh, to me, you know, I'm kind of going, you know, see y'all, like, we're not making this up. Like, we are, like, this is happening to us and it's happening over and over and over again. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate what you, I appreciate the piece, the piece. I appreciate what you just, you know, the background you gave. Um, Thank you. Do you, do you feel comfortable sharing with these ones? I will, I would love to share the piece. <laughs> that would be great. All right, so. Are you ready? This is, Thank you. This piece is called Share the Video. <clears throat> so, I always knew growing up I'd be an entertainer, a poet, a dancer, an actress. Then it occurred to me. By age 13, I realized most pigmented people don't make it to the end of the movie. They're the first to call the plot twist only to end up caught in crossfire climax. And unless you're Ricky, Kane, Frankie, Cleo, or TT, that fictional death has no real meaning. The irony. We act the same in society, how we're desensitized to being systematic targets, yet scream at skies when our own hands control the bullets when immortalized on a t-shirt and candle lightings around phone poles become the new funeral service since ain't no church and murder. Still, how great is a God that allows their greatest creation to die cold on pavement? I've seen this film one, two, many times, but I always wanted to be an actress. So if they cast me in the next casket, make sure you share the video. That B-movie quality may just have enough evidence for them to disregard my mental health records, text messages sent to friends contemplating if my life should end. Share the video, because they'll believe them, and I'm no coward. Truth is, I probably panicked, went frantic, hollered a little too loud how I'm suffocating. I can't breathe. I can't speak. Don't tell me to get up. Get your knee off of me. Where's my mother? Show her the video so she can gather memories when press points trigger fingers asking if I ran the street. She'll tell them I wrote 
Every day, whenever angry alliterations cured my writer's block, she'll say she was my inspiration. She'll say I sang so loud she'd hide my Alicia Keys CDs, not realizing the time she needs to remind them of my name. She'll say I danced under the ceiling fan. As the wind in my movements took me to another dimension, she won't forget to mention I acted. Acted like the smile was easy to wear. That eyes flooded with raging fear, held its weight in my hair, blood of supremacy on my hand. She'll say they were intimidated. Her mentality, a blend of X, Shakur, and Newton. She'll say she wanted a gun. Cause she'll be damned if it were her father, her brothers, ex-lovers, or son. She'll tell them I was a healer disguised as a gypsy. But they saw a witch, afraid of black girl magic. If it was 1693, I'd be burned at a stake, but it's 2020. I was lynched because nothing's changed. She'll say it was never supposed to happen this way. But after George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, it was only right to write my eulogy just in case I don't have a case without a camera. She'll know, despite being told it's a dishonor to my life. I'd share the video. It's the only way that we can control the narrative because the only difference between suicide and martyrdom is press coverage. Thank you. Thank you. That yes, it's lit. <laughs> every time because it's almost like I'm killing myself in the room and it's like and makes you really think like it could be any one of us look at you could look at your neighbor and we just have to protect ourselves and each other as much as we can our reality is so so real so raw that it can't it can be any one of us and the narrative is so important because we've seen the narrative spun so many different ways and as, as harsh as it is to see these videos of our brothers and sisters murdered, assassinated, they have to, they have to be keep, they have to keep showing because they can be forgotten or they can say, oh no, this right. happened. No, he wasn't, he was stealing. He had a counterfeit check. And then these things that don't matter when it comes to human life now take over the story. They now become what folks are paying attention to. And I think technology has given us that medium to know this is what happened. If, they, if there wasn't a video on Rodney King, he would have just been another person beat. But they had to see the right. Heart. That's the point I do constantly. And it's, it's upsetting that you can't go off of our word. You can't go off of what we're saying. You have to see it. We have to show you. You know, you can see the scars, but you don't even equate what we're telling you with the scars. It's always, oh no, this happened, that happened. And we have to have martyrs. We have to have people who God has chosen to ignite that light, to get the conversation going. I think this is a powerful piece. And you are all sisters that I've seen in the field. I've seen all you do, your performances and your work in activism, organizing. So I'm blessed that you all are here with us because you're walking the walk and talking the talk at the same time. No one up here is BSing or making it seem like your poetry is real life and it's your real life. And I'm grateful that you all are here and being transparent. And Dime, I wanted to um, 
ask you a few questions because we are an intergenerational and intentional show. And you are the youngest among us here representing for the youth and the upcoming generation. What has your experience been as an artist, as an activist? And what resources do you feel like are needed for young people? Uh, okay. Uh, I think there's so many layers to it. Um, my experience as an activist has been kind of like a roller coaster, but I was at like, I think I was at like the, the bottom part for a while or not the bottom, but the part where the, the cart is kind of just cruising <laughs> for a while um, in 2016 when actually following up to Trump's election, I think even in 2015, I was very interested in getting involved. I was also on my way to college in Boston. So that's kind of where I got my feet wet in the activist, in my experience as an activist. Um, so I did a lot of activating with the students at UMass um, Boston, where I was at school um, with the Black Student Center and with the Queer Student Center. Um, but there was always a conflict because the Black queer students didn't feel comfortable at the Black Student Alliance um, because it was very cis heteronormative. And so at the time I didn't identify as non-binary. I didn't recognize that part of myself yet. And I also didn't recognize that I was pansexual at the time. <laughs> um, that came a little later, but I did like hear about these issues and I saw them. I saw transphobia from the black men at the student, at the Black Student Alliance. And um, I heard about the trials and tribulations faced every day by uh, black trans women um, and trans women of color from the Queer Student Alliance. And so here was I, this like person who cared about both, but there was that divide of like queerness and blackness, but the two come together because there are black queer people out there, I'm here. <laughs> um, so my activism has been very much affected by that division or that um, miscommunication, I guess. Um, so in 2016, I came back to New Haven and I was ready to get involved as an activist in my city because I saw the opportunity in the city that I didn't recognize before. I had previously like really disliked New Haven and I came back from Boston loving it um, because I didn't realize there was so much art and so much culture. I had been brainwashed to hate it all. Um, I had been brainwashed to hate my own people. And I came back realizing that, um, I was already in the process of realizing it before I left, but when I came back, I really saw it because I saw the neighborhood that I grew up in and I said, wow, I, even though I had such a good time as a young person there, I was conditioned to believe that because it was the hood, 
And because there's such an apparent class divide in New Haven, like literally right down the block, there was like big ass mansion houses. Um, and I was taught that like, that was happy. That was the happy place over there. And this was the shitty place where I had to be. <laughs> but now that I look back, I'm like, I had such a great childhood um, and I was conditioned to hate it, which is so sad, but I really wanted to get involved when I came back. Um, and so I did, I went to my first major march was when um, right after Trump was elected and there was like this huge, uh, like a puppet of Donald Trump, his head, and we got to smash it with a bat and there were police dogs and things got ugly. Um, that was my first thing. And I was kind of in it for a while, but it took up so much energy for me because I was not only in school, um, I was also, I had recently came to realize my queerness, um, at least my sexuality. And then I was also starting to realize my gender nonconformity and it took up a lot of space for me because, I mean, one, there's a lot of like self-care that has to go into that because you're discovering this whole part of yourself um, that has always been there and realizing the world has conditioned me to like stuff it down. Um, I didn't read it, but there's a poem where I talk, I briefly talk about like, wow, I'm, it, it was okay for me to love my like fuzzy upper lip all along. Like <laughs> I used to hate it. Uh, um, and then I wrote about like, oh, I can forgive all the teachers who assumed uh, my name, which is Diamond, belongs to someone with he, him pronouns. People used to always think he. <laughs> and now when people call me he or sir, I smile because it's not only funny, but also um, it feels low-key affirming uh, because I am non-conforming. And usually people assume that I'm a woman. So, uh, but when discovering myself as a queer person became like a huge aspect of my life, I also began to personally um, be affected by how the cis, cis heteronormativity in activist circles, um, which I feel like is a little bit more apparent for me now. Like I took a, like a break, I guess, from activism um, or like heavy activism, like going to protests and stuff. It was self-care. It's a self-care choice for me to pause on that and now I feel comfortable to get back into it. And I'm reading a lot of books. I'm reading, um, I should have brought these bo the books over here. But I'm reading, one of the books is called How Capitalism Underbe Underdeveloped Black America. And there's a chapter dedicated to like um, black women in the movement. And as I'm reading, I'm just realizing that even though the author means well, it was not, it was not, um, it wasn't good enough. Uh, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't 
uh, it wasn't really about gender liberation. Um, it wasn't, not even for cis, hetero, black women. It was just not enough. And that worries me about the movement. It makes me feel like where, how are we actually doing the work to uh, include women, trans people and gender non-conforming people in this movement? And I feel like as a young person um, and a mentor, that's really important to me to bring into the, um, the revolution, to bring the queer community in and our voices in so that we don't get left behind because if we're all not free, then none of us are free. <laughs> so um, I think cis black men, most of them need to get it together. There's, we have some allies out there. So I'm very, I'm happy about that, but we definitely need more and more understanding and less, uh, less giving in to miseducation around queerness um, because I was just thinking about this, gender oppression affects black men. As I was reading the book that I was just talking about how capitalism underdeveloped black America, it talks about how, well, it observes how um, black men might see the revolution as um, them trying to reclaim manhood because of what was done during slavery um, and what was done to black families in the 1960s through the 1970s. Um, the emasculization, just all of it terrible. But in the book, the author observes that perhaps black men are like trying to achieve like manhood, but I'm like, or like reclaim manhood. And I'm like, well, who's defining what manhood is? And who is creating the world in which we feel that a black man's manhood isn't enough? And that's just white supremacist patriarchy, <laughs> which we are all fighting, which I am fighting. Definitely, uh, and it speaks about narrative. You bring up a lot of points. We could have a whole show about everything. I know we're, I know we're about to close out. <laughs> no, but I think we can, we can still make a, a few in, important points that as black people, it's, it's hard to, there are so many layers to us. You can be a woman and still be black. You can be queer and still be black. You can be a black woman and be queer. And um, a lot of times I feel like those layers and those aspects of who we are and who each individual is, your unique makeup, you shouldn't have to leave that at the door because it's all connected. It all plays into each other. And you spoke about classism. The classism in Connecticut is very apparent. As you said, it's only a street that makes the difference. Yeah. If you're on Winchester, Winchester looks completely different from Prospect, and it's only a hill difference. It's only yeah. a block difference. And leaving your, as you said, leaving your neighborhood and coming back to you begin to appreciate it. I'm I'm in New Haven now, but I'm originally I'm from Jersey, and I'm back and forth. But it wasn't until I left North, left Irvington, to be like, yo, what they said was going on in the suburbs and this economically better area, it's not as rich as where I'm from. It's not as rich as 
my community and we're we're thriving with the lack of resources but it's still authentic where we are we have culture we have community every community has issues and we're dealing with ours we are healing um, now our lovely son a co-founder of black lives matter new haven um, there's been definitely a lot going on in New Haven, a lot going on in the world. You've been on the front lines, Allah's been on the front lines, Ashley, Cy, every, the whole team has really been pushing and really showing up and showing up when no one else was showing up and leading. There was a whole march that you, you didn't organize, but you led, you, you took control over because you saw that there was a need and there was a need for people's safety and that the message still had to be across. So dealing, how, how can you be supporting organizers who are on the front lines? Because the front lines isn't for everyone. And I think that's understood. Everyone has a, a role on the road to liberation. Um. I think that being supported is just that um, for people, for community to know that everyone plays a role and it doesn't have to be on the front line. Um, if you're an artist, you can express your protest through art. Um, you can send letters, emails, um, phone calls to legislators, um, be a body, show up at City Hall, show up at the state capitol. Um, there's definitely a place, a space for you in this movement to defend um, Black lives, to end the war on Black lives, to call for political power, to call for reparations, you know, um, to amplify the voices of Black and queer and trans folks. Um, everyone definitely, there's it's, it's levels to this and you definitely have a level, you definitely have a space on the level. Um, you definitely are able to engage in the movement. You don't have to be a part of Black Lives Matter or any organization. Um, you're a Black person and, <clears throat> excuse me, um, my liberation is tied to yours as yours is tied to mine. So as for support, I would just say, um, reach out, um, contact us at Black Lives Matter New Haven at gmail.com um, and see, how, even if it's coming down, bringing water to a protest um, and now, right, um, with the pandemic and everything, um, sanitizer, food, snacks, or whatever. Um, and also sometimes just encouraging words, um, you know, go a long way. It's it's really a lot, and I feel like oftentimes people really believe that we're like superheroes. And you know, we have families. Um, Allah has a son. 
um, you know, I have a niece and nephew, my mom. And so encouraging words, you know, really go a long way. Um, right now we do have the back to school drive going on. We have over 1100, um, book bags. The book bags will be, uh, filled with supplies and, um, notebooks and erasers and pencils and pens and uh, all that great stuff that uh, the children need to go back to school. So just sharing the flyer, um, telling word of mouth, telling your neighbor, your friend about the drive. Um, and so people like that is so helpful. That is so supportive, right? We are on social media a lot. All you gotta do is click, you know, Share the information, get the information out to the community. Um, you know, a lot of times people are like, you know, we don't have any resources. We don't have any resources. Um, and so when we are trying to be a resource for the community and you don't know what to do, simply share the information out. You're helping someone who is in need. Um, but again, our liberation is tied to, you know, all the folks in the community and, Sharing and sharing and loving goes a long way, and that's like the greatest support. Greetings, I'm back, and y'all. Um, oh, oh, it's hi, Ethan. Um, really represented how lit we are in this fucking. Hey. Cut. Hey, we lit. Yes. Connecting this motherfucker. I think I can cut. Anyway. Um, I actually, sorry. <laughs> uh, real quick, I forgot to mention a resource. You met, you asked about resources for young uh, people, young artists. Oh, so on August 25th, uh, uh, me and me at ArtSpace and um, Connecticut Against Brutality are organizing like a uh, art fair, an outside art fair that, so they cut off the street on Orange Street and we're gonna be using Ninth Square. It's gonna be all black art. So we're gonna have, a lot of studios gonna be donating free prints of the artists, visual artists artwork so that they can sell their work for hundred percent of the profit and keep anything that is left over after the art fair and any crafts and merchandise people can also table. And we're having um, performances throughout the day. This is social distance conscious, uh, which we're doing, we're taking multiple measures. So if anyone has any questions or anything, reach out to me. My Instagram is 06EMINI. I will put that in the chat. And if anybody's interested, um, hit me up to participate. It's all black artists. I especially want to have queer black artists on this. So let me know. Thank you for that information. There's so much happening throughout our state and for our lives, the, the whole encompassing of black lives, mm -hmm. right? As women, as LGBTQ, as black people, we, we on it. We on it. And Connecticut is connected <laughs> and we're lit. And I want you to um, on our website, on our web page uh, or Facebook page, we'll have links to everyone's information. 
And I want to let you you all know, like, get the merchandise, get Sun's merchandise, get Dimes information, get Tamani's Reigns information, and 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 hire them. <laughs> Artists need to get paid. Like, just understand. The starving artist is over. Work. It ain't no starving artist. It's working artists. It's 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 work. It's it's time and energy that they they put into their their artistry. And these are multi creative women. They're multi genres. Okay. And I want to welcome and I want to thank everyone for coming and attending the Elm City Lit Fest podcast. We'll be back in two weeks. The team of Emily Mayo, Shaw McAllister, and Ife Michelle Gardine. We will be back in two weeks with another lit podcast for everyone. And we appreciate it. And oh, we got to shout out to Baobab Tree Studios. Rev yeah, Kev keeps Rev. us moving. Much gratitude. Make everybody look good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And hit up Baobab Tree Studios online. If you want to start doing your thing, mm -hmm. I'm just saying. There's stories to tell. Blessings to everyone. Stay safe and well with your mask and vote. Whoever the whoever you voting for, show up on Tuesday if you have not had your um, absentee ballot because you know 45 done put in somebody at the post office that didn't get everybody the absentee ballot, whatever. Show up and have your voice be heard in some kind of way because we have to take this level. Put your mask okay. on. Okay. City Lit Fest. Stay tuned. Clear your calendars. September 26th and 27th. I'm telling you busy. We listen, we're around. We would love, we want to see you. We want to see you. We're working hard. All right. Blessings and good night. Peace. Blessings. Thank you. Peace. Thank you, lovely ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.